This podcast does not constitute medical advice. All changes surrounding medications, diet and exercise should be made in consultation with a professional who can assess your unique health circumstances. Welcome to the Patterson Program, where you'll learn how to improve your health from the inside out. And now, your host, Clint Patterson. Here we are again, Patterson Podcast. Another great uh, success story is with us today. Uh, Shelly has joined us and she's just up the road from where I'm at here in Jupiter, Florida. So we've set up the Skype call and we're ready to go and the internet here is absolutely sensational. So Shelly, we're going to have a good video call today. How are you? Clint, I'm great. And it is just so nice for me to finally meet you face to face. I'm so grateful to you. I feel like I don't want to seem like a crazy stalker, but you feel like a good friend to me because you've been such a big part of my journey to good health. And so thank you for allowing me the chance to meet you and share my story today. Oh, you're welcome. It's you know one of the reasons that I do this. Melissa originally said to me, if we can only just help one person by putting all this stuff together. And that was the spark of our efforts to share this with others. And so I guess the the whole closed loop on that is to actually be able to then hear the improvements and life changes of other people. And so this is the best part of what I do. This beats doing anything else. It's it's just hearing people who who have improved their lives. So this is going to be really enjoyable. And what I do now is I don't actually want to know the story before we start. So you've only given me a few bullet points for mm-hmm. me to, to help to uh, guide this conversation. But, uh, you know, I'm going to be learning just like our audience as we go here as to uh, what you've been through and so forth. But before we do that, in traditional fashion as of late, can you just give us a 30-second summary of where you were and where you are now as a comparison? Yeah. Well, I could relate to your uh, video that when I first stumbled across you, I watched your video and your journey, and it really just resembled mine and that it was kind of overnight and it was a little over two years ago. Um, I woke up and suddenly I had all this inflammation and I had been very active and never experienced anything like that before. And it really took a turn very quickly. And I found myself really difficult to walk, really difficult to do anything, difficult to get out of bed, to shower, to brush my hair. I felt like a 90 year old woman (laughs) overnight. And um, through a journey of about four to five months, I was officially diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. And they started me on the course of drugs, which I'll get into in more detail. And um, eventually, I just decided there's got to be something more to this. Like if I did this to myself over the course of years, whether it be through medications I was on as a kid or just eating processed foods, there's got to be a way that my body will heal and just really had the fight to find another way and found you and started the program. And within two weeks felt so much better. And then over the course of the last year, um, I celebrated one year off of being all my drugs, um, all my medications last month. And I'm celebrating that. Like, ah, that's huge. 
And I owe a lot of that to you and to the other people who encouraged me on your podcast. I watch them regularly because you need that. This is not an easy journey, even being off the drugs for a year. It takes great discipline and fight every single day and good choices. And so I appreciate all the encouragement that you bring and your community brings to me every single day. And I hope that I can provide a little bit of encouragement too. Yeah, well, you already have, you know, I'm getting goosebumps listening to your story. So, <laughs> you know, each one of these episodes, I think it's nice to to go out to our audience and to sort of offer a different perspective on a different case study, if you like, a different person's individual journey. And I think yours is going to appeal to people who haven't been diagnosed very long ago. So they're kind of maybe only had rheumatoid in the last few years or so. Mm-hmm. And you're a wonderful example of someone who has embraced the evidence-based Patterson program early and Mm -hmm. adopted it and had tremendous results. To be off all your medications now uh, a whole year is fabulous and managing it entirely in a way that I describe as complete confidence and control. So um, maybe expand a little bit on um, how do you do that at the moment Um, when you start to get a little bit of a, a reaction, as we call it, instead of a flare, Mm -hmm. as you start to get a bit of reaction, what do you do? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, my journey has evolved over this last year, you know, because the process of healing is, it's a slow one. And so where I find myself now is, you know, I start my day with a green filled pack smoothie. I pack as much variety of greens in my smoothie or my fresh juice in the morning. Um, I do eat a lot of salads and a lot of fresh vegetables. Um, I'm at the place now, though, where I can add some extra things into my diet. And I know kind of where that limit is. Um, And there are those things that I would love to indulge that I know that if I do, I'm going to feel it a little bit. I'm going to feel a little bit of inflammation in my hands. Not a lot um, because I've healed so well, but it's just enough to go, "Mm -mm -mm, you really shouldn't Mm. be eating that. (laughs) And I get my my smoothie or my juice or, you know, I I get back to it. Yeah, that's awesome. And that is exactly how it's going to be from now on. Um, Mm -hmm. My situation now that I can, you know, really push the barriers. Like I can have an oily Thai food, for instance, and that would have like made me incapable of walking um, Mm -hmm. when I was in my my really bad days. But I really don't want to because I Mm -hmm. find the oils disgusting. Like I really just washing up after uh, a guest has had something like that at our house where there's oils on the plate and Mm -hmm. the time it takes and the extra soap to cut through the fats on the plate. And I'm thinking, What's doing? What's going on inside you if you've just mm-hmm. put all this in your body? And when I eat that sort of food, I just don't feel right. For me, it doesn't translate to symptoms. But I believe that if I did it every day, that mm-hmm. I could also experience a symptomatic return. And I just don't ever want to find out. I just think, look, mm-hmm. I know like this, this is all so clear. I see it every day when I work with people. It's like Groundhog Day sometimes. It's like, hey, Clint, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I tried some oils. Oh, boy, am I in pain today? And I'm thinking, okay, yeah. like I don't need to know again yeah. and again that, that that would be the outcome if I was to eat that foods all the time. And so what I expect for you is that with time, if you stick more and more closely to the simpler version of your current diet, mm-hmm. that you'll continue to heal more and more. So I had a question today in, inside our support membership and they said, Clint, I wake up and my stiffness now has gone down to about uh, 15 minutes. I wake up and I got morning stiffness for about 15 minutes. 
And people like to check in with me every time and they say, do you still get morning stiffen? And and I said, absolutely zero, like zero morning stiffness. And But it took me years to get from where you're at right now to absolutely capital letters zero morning yeah. stiffness. That would have been, yeah, two or three years from where you are right now or maybe mm-hmm. a, a little bit less. And But I've always been cautionary because I've wanted to just create the most insanely awesome results for myself and um yeah and at the consequence of maybe not being able to eat out at restaurants uh, as much during that time and so it's up to all of us once we have the control we can then play that little game of do we want to push it a little bit because we're going out to dinner with friends and we can have a little bit of food that we know are a little bit risky but then we also know how to reset the next day and you've got and you're straight back mm-hmm. into your green smoothies and stuff and so you're in that control. You're the puppeteer of your own future. And it's a powerful place to be. It really is. There's nothing like it. You know, I, I've talked to a lot of people who find themselves with some kind of autoimmune and they're like, I could never do that. I could never give up everything that you give up. It's too hard. And I think, well, isn't living in pain so much harder? Isn't giving up all the things you love even harder than that? And so it's just worth it. It's just so worth it to have your life back and to be able to live life the way God intended for you to live. Yeah, absolutely. And listeners might think, well, you know, what if it comes back? And, And the truth is, here's the truth, right? You have all the tools to prevent it from ever coming back again. And I mean yes. that. Like, I have mm-hmm. no fear of this disease. This disease has been smashed and crushed and obliterated, okay? Yes. And the reason I have such confidence in my body, and I can sort of project this into your mind so that you feel the same, is because I saw my body change ever so slowly over the over the years. Mm-hmm. And when I would do something like we talked about, like if we make an error, like if there's some cheese in a mashed potato at a restaurant, we don't know, or yeah. whatever the thing might be, whatever it might be, or even the stress or something, right? Little thing yes. here or there. I saw the action reaction behavior in my body so clearly for mm-hmm. so long. I know how my body reacts like intimately knowing someone that you've lived with closely for the last 40 years, for instance, right? You just know how they behave. They're so predictable. Same with how my joint pains were. It was so predictable. And so now that I know how how I eventually extinguished the smoldering of the flame Mm -hmm. and just got to a smolder and then slowly, slowly it extinguished over a long time, I know that should that flame, you know, want to reignite it, I've just got the most ultimate weapon of Mm -hmm. anti-inflammatory it's like having this enormous fire truck parked out the back and if anything just starts to smolder it's just unleash the weapon of water on top of it you know you just feel that degree of confidence and so your confidence will build and continue to uh to to develop with time because as you go an additional year and then another Mm -hmm. year where your blood tests are great your body feels great you really develop this uh, you know this feeling that you know what you can do this, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, what's really hard is when you're on the medications, and I know a lot of people are, I couldn't tell what the food was doing because the medications were suppressing the inflammation. So I'm like, I was on your program, but I didn't know what was working. And of course, my rheumatologist said, 
you know, eat a balanced diet, but it's not the food. You're going to have to be on medications the rest of your life. She was not willing at all to reduce my meds. And part of my story is that it wasn't until my liver levels started increasing, like quadruple, that she's like, okay, we got to start reducing the methotrexate. She took me off of all of that eventually. My liver levels were still increasing. She finally took me off all the sulfazolazine and then the hydroxychloroquine. And she's like, I don't know what's going on. It's not the meds. And I'm thinking, how can it not be the medications? My liver levels were fine prior to, you know, me getting on all the medications and now they're out, they're off the charts. And so she actually referred me to a liver specialist and I was off all meds and still feeling great. And she said, well, it's going to come back. It, you know, the, the drugs are going to be in your system for about six months. Your inflammation is going to come back. And I went to my primary doctor and told him what was going on because he's known me for years. And he said, I don't believe you have anything wrong with your liver. What else are you taking? And I happened to be taking probiotic and vitamin D. Okay. And I said, should I you know, stop taking those two? He said, you know, pr- let's just rule everything out. Stop taking everything. Mm-hmm. And it was over the course of the next two months, my liver levels came back to within normal range. And had my liver levels not gone up, I'd still be on the the medications. It was only because of that. And I think maybe I took a vitamin D that was too high of a level potentially. I still haven't figured out quite, you know, I know the medications played a part in that. Look, it's it's like absolutely vanilla flavored knowledge that methotrexate will raise Mm. up ALT and AST, which are the indicators that your liver's starting to blow. Mm -hmm. Um, and then normally when people come off methotrexate, at least, you know, this is my non-doctor observation of others, it only takes a few weeks for those liver enzymes to come back down. Now, if you were on triple therapy, you're also on the Plaquenil, wasn't it? And the sulfasalazine. Yes. Now, mm-hmm. Plaquenil is a DMAR. They're all disease-modifying drugs. Mm-hmm. All of these could have been impacting in such a way that the markers were so high that it took more than just a few weeks to come down. Yeah. It's not impossible that other supplementation was uh, affecting the liver, but uh, I've never heard of uh, probiotics or vitamin D having that effect. I mean, yeah. it's kind of like, um, you know, there's some screaming upstairs and you know that your kid screams all the time. And then, you know, you remove the kid and the screaming's gone. But yeah. could it still be something else? Well, probably unlikely. It probably yeah. was the kid screaming. <laughs> Yeah, Um, because we know that that's what it does. Mm -hmm. Luckily, ours don't too often. Um, So yeah, the those three drugs would have been the reason, and then it's just taken a few months for that for your liver to calm down again after they were removed. Now, tell us then about your experience on those drugs. In what order did you go on them? How did they make you feel, both in terms of side effects, or as some people some people like to put that effects right? They're not side effects. These are these are part of the effects yeah. of the drug. And sure. also um, in terms of uh, pain reduction. So I'm just mm-hmm. curious, your experience on methotrexate, sulfasalazine, Paclonil, in what order? What were they yeah. like? Well, let me back up just a little bit. So okay. I actually had to go to a different rheumatologist initially that my doctor referred me to. And when I went there, it was the absolute worst experience of my life. This woman, she was supposed to have all my blood work because I had done it weeks in advance. And I get there, she didn't have any of my blood work. And she basically was trying to tell me I had symptoms that I didn't have and try to diagnose me with lupus. But the thing that I have to share is that she ended up at the end of the day, you know, I really wanted 
wanted an answer. I didn't know for sure that I had rheumatoid yet. I said, well, I lead a busy life. I have two kids. I'm a wife. I have a very active job where I serve other people. How am I supposed to function? And she tells me, well, the good news is that RA is not terminal. The bad news is you're probably going to have to quit your job and you're going to have to live a long life of pain and suffering. And had I not had my best friend come with me to that appointment, I would have thought that I hallucinated that whole conversation, but my friend heard me hear those words and I was just devastated. And she put me on prednisone, a high dose of prednisone. And ultimately I never went back to see her again. (laughs) I had my pity party for about three days where I'm like, I've just been given a death sentence. Like my life is never going to be the same. And then through my faith, uh, I just feel like God kind of shook me and said, listen, this isn't the life I've called you to live. You know, you have purpose. And if you stick with me, I'm going to walk you through this journey. And I've created your body to heal. I just have to show you what that looks like. And so I found this other rheumatologist. She immediately starts me on methotrexate. And I saw her every two weeks and she kept upping the dose in addition to the prednisone. She wanted me to be able to wean off the prednisone. But every time I tried, the inflammation would just be crazy. And so then she started me on the second drug. My hair was falling out from the methotrexate. I was one of the lucky ones that just didn't tolerate that drug very good. And so my hair would come out by the handfuls. And she kept starting me on the other drugs. I, I would say I handled all three drugs pretty well, except mm-hmm. for the hair loss, except yeah. fatigue obviously was a big part, kind of a foggy head. Yeah. Um, but then it was somewhere in the midst of those three drugs that I found you. And within two weeks of starting your program and doing the three days and then the 10 or 11 days, I was completely off prednisone with no ill effects. And I thought that spoke to me volumes. Like I had been trying to get out of prednisone for months and it wasn't until that two weeks of your program, I was able to cut it almost cold turkey and had no problem in doing so. That's, that's absolutely fantastic because, you know, that drug, that's the devil's drug, that Mm -hmm. prednisone, you know, I can't offer medical advice and I, I hesitate to share my full and complete opinions about that drug on, on these public recordings. But, uh, you know, when I coach people how to get off that drug, we normally put together strategies where we uh, deploy lots of lots of different substitutions for pain relief mm-hmm. so that they can get off that drug because that drug just causes so much leaky gut. It contributes to osteoporosis. It has all sorts of other side effects. I've just had research put together for me that's just in my inbox right now. I was just looking at um, last night, actually, before before I went to bed. It's so difficult to get off the drug. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just yeah, the, I don't think I don't think I've ever even put out to the world just how bad I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. So I believe it. I I was on it for at least four to five months, I believe. And that's a, you know, I know some people have been on it a lot longer than that, but I couldn't sleep. You know, it's hard to sleep with it. You're always hungry and not to mention everything that it's doing internally. Mm -hmm. So I was so glad to finally be able to get rid of that drug and you're scared to get rid of it. I feel people's, you know, I I really have sympathy because you're so scared to have the pain back that you're scared to stop taking it. Yeah. Um, But your program and it made me able to do that very, very easily. 
Wow. Well, that is awesome. And just before we close out the pregnisone discussion, again, none, no one should be stopping their, their drugs or adjusting their medication levels without speaking to their doctor. Um, what we do and what I work with people personally within our support group is coach them how they can work with their doctor to mm-hmm. achieve this. Prednisone is often a discretionary dose for patients, meaning mm-hmm. that if they need to take a little more, they can, or if they want to taper down, they can. And with those discretionary drugs, then the path forward for the individual, there's a little bit more flexibility. And so, yeah, depending on how people have been instructed by their doctors, they have a, a uh, certainly an opportunity to substitute, which is the correct word, substitute some of the pain-reducing methods that they use with ones that aren't as detrimental or are not detrimental at all to their gut. Okay, so you've done great off in the uh, off to a great start. Two weeks in, you're off prednisone. This has set you up now to have an equal battle because when you're trying to heal yes. with prednisone in the mix, you're fighting with one hand tied behind your back. So now that you've gotten off the prednisone and you're still on the, on the other drugs, what happened next? Well, I'm feeling great at this point, and I'm trying to talk to my rheumatologist about what I'm doing, and she was not very interested in hearing about it and said, don't stop taking your drugs. She was always threatening me to not stop taking my drugs, and I, as much as I wanted her to reduce them to the least amount possible, she was never willing to do that, and then steps in my liver levels. Almost, and- a, almost some, an intervention from God. It was. It was a blessing in disguise. Absolutely. I believe that um, Mm -hmm. because it allowed her to say, "Okay, I need you to stop taking everything. And I took a big gulp when she said, "Okay, that's it. Take stop taking everything. I'm like, really? Like you, you never wanted me to do that. And now you're telling me I can do that. And it was the best thing ever. As Mm. scary as that was, it has been the beginning of my journey of being pain free, drug free. Wow. It's profound. Now, you know, I even get very concerned when this situation arises when I'm working with someone. They say to me, look, this is what the doctor said. And I actually say, well, my liver enzymes used to blow out as well. So at one point, my ALT and AST became very elevated when I was on maximum dose of tablet methotrexate, 25 Mm -hmm. milligram per week. And what my rheumatologist did is he administered twice the dose of folic acid supplementation. And in my instance, by um, shouldering the tablets either day of my methotrexate dose, I was able to bring my liver enzyme back into the normal range just. Mm. And so his suggestion worked perfectly for me. So if that hadn't have worked, I may have been also looking at having to come off that drug or try a different drug. Mm -hmm. And so the reason that I mentioned that is because I consider coming off the drugs altogether because of the liver situation to also be uh, very risky because I think that what we're looking for is a period of stability and mm-hmm. you had a really good period of stability. You felt great. You yeah. were using our program to keep an internal calm and you were using the drugs to keep the symptoms calm. And that's a good place to be because if you're on our program and you've got very little to no symptoms because of additional medications, then you're healing because the foods that you're eating are designed to heal and there's an absence of foods that cause problems. And mm-hmm. so 
long periods of low pain are healing months. And so that was a good spot that you were in right then. And if we had have been working together closely, I would have said, Shelley, I actually think that you want to try and just keep your uh, keep the drugs the same and try and get your liver enzymes back under control using that little technique that I just described about mm-hmm. the folic acid supplementation. And because, you know, you're in a healing path, you know, you're on a healing trajectory. And so the coming off was definitely risky, but a big payoff. Now, what happened when you went to see your rheumatologist uh, a month or two later and you said, look, I'm still fine? I'm a bad girl, Clint. I'd never went back to her. Um, I ended up having to go about an hour away just to find what I thought was a good rheumatologist. And so after she took me off the drugs, um, I haven't been back to see her. I probably should pay that visit to her, though, and just to say, hey, <laughs> look at me now. And <laughs> do you have any questions? I'd like to tell you a few things. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny, you know, I've had that same thought myself. But then, you know, part of me resents the fact that I'd have to go and pay a That's lot why. of money just yeah. to tell them that what yeah. I said in the first place was working and then them to say something that would almost certainly annoy me. And I don't know what that would be, but it would probably be annoying. It would. And I can guarantee that would happen. <laughs> I yeah, can guarantee right, it. Right. It yeah. would probably be something like, well, it's going to come back any day now. Yes. And you're all you're doing is you're taking a big risk on your life and all this. I'm not yeah. sure. Now, I kind of... Uh, I kind of do a little disservice to my rheumatologist. He he was absolutely outstanding, and I know that he wouldn't say that to me, but I am sort of generalizing how rheumatologists are. My rheumatologist was absolutely wonderful, the most gentle and supportive man ever, and everyone in Sydney, Australia, or even in you know somewhat nearby uh, cities, I recommend they all go and see him. He's fabulous yes. and was completely supportive of everything I did. Shocked out of his socks when he saw the results uh, and didn't believe that I would get there, I, I, I do suspect, throughout the process because it did take a very long time and he watched me go through a lot of pitfalls before I came out the other side. But boy, never did he uh, force anything upon me that I didn't want and just educated me along the whole path. So in your sense, your God helping you was the experience you had with your liver enzymes. And for me, it was to walk a couple of things for me. One, having the most supporting wife, supportive wife you could ever ask for in, your, in thousands of lives. Another yes. was that I had a stand-up comedy career, which meant I only work one or two nights a week, and the rest of the time I could dedicate to my healing. And the third was having a rheumatologist that did not crush my belief every time I went to to see him. So they're just three of, I guess, multiple blessings. But all right, so you never went back. Now, have you been monitoring your blood tests and how do they look? Yeah, they look good. I go to my primary doctor and probably every four to five months uh, we run the blood tests. Um, it's been a while since I've had them ran. You know, I think you've mentioned this in some previous podcasts that some people, their uh, CRP or their SED rate, they're already normal. Mine were kind of that way. I fell into that camp where even when I was diagnosed, they weren't out of range. And so uh, although I heard you recently say, even though they're in range, you get them to the very lowest of the low. And so that's what I'm going to be looking at the next time I go in a couple of months. I'm going to have him run that sensitivity so that I can see those those tests to see where I'm at. But I, I think I'm doing well. Oh, I would say yes. my numbers are probably pretty good. 
Yeah, yeah. Thanks for being the most outstanding student, by the way. It seems like you uh, you you take on board a lot of the stuff that I'm I'm putting out, which is you know nice to hear too. Because sometimes you create these pieces of work and then you wonder, hmm, is anyone really taking these on board? Uh, so that's great. Yeah, you've got it all under control. You're going to get a high sensitivity CRP test. It's actually a different test to the mm-hmm. regular CRP test. Sometimes the you know the doctor has to ask for it. Otherwise, they'll just run CRP. That does motivate you, and I. That's what I told my primary doctor. He's like, well, you look good. I don't think you need to come back. And I'm like, but can I come back? Because it's motivating to me to see that I'm on track and I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. And so he's supportive of that. And I'm thankful. It's it's good to have that doctor, whether it's your rheumatologist or your primary doctor who is on your side and able to give you the support that you need. Absolutely. Um, Yep. You'll be glad to know that um, I work for a church. And so I talk to a lot of people and a lot of people have come up to me and they they know I'm pretty open about what I've gone through. And so several people who've had RA who do have a local rheumatologist who I actually recommend highly now, even though I've never gone to him, they actually have told them about what I have done and they are wanting to pursue the Pattison program. And their rheumatologist is very supportive okay. of getting the dosages to the low denominator and having them do the Pattison program. So I think that's fantastic that finally, at least part of the community is listening to what patients are saying and what is working and that there is another alternative in addition to what they, you know, are telling their patients to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Someone said to me yesterday, they found about us because of their rheumatologist. And you know, that's the highest compliment, isn't it? When the medical profession at the highest level are recommending a dietary solution that has been shown to get results for others of their patients, you know that things are ever so slightly starting to to shift. And I was just enjoying listening to you a moment ago, and I wanted to share this with you. The way you were speaking so confidently and, and knowledgeably about topics, about concepts around the rheumatoid arthritis uh, topic, you know, the way that we just freely talk about C-reactive protein and sed rate and ALT and AST and and uh, what they are and, and how to influence them. I mean, the level of knowledge now, uh, the default level of knowledge within people with this disease within our community is so high. I mean, we yeah. all have a great understanding of what's going on, how to work on it, what the objective is. And I just feel so like impressed at the levels of conversation that we can now have about this. When I first went to my rheumatologist, I mean, you know, you know nothing. You don't know anything. You, the, everything's mm-hmm. scary. You don't know what the concepts are. You don't know what you're trying to achieve. You don't know what's mm-hmm. possible. You get told by um, everything on the internet that you've got no hope. It's like the first rheumatologist yes. you went through. And so, you know, isn't it good that we can sit here and we can have these kind of conversations we're masters of our own condition. Mm-hmm. And yes. that, that just that's just fantastic. It is. It absolutely is. Yeah. <laughs> so wow. Okay. So what what um information would you like to share with our audience about uh impart some of your experiences or tell a story mm-hmm. about something that, that might enlighten some people who may have went through a similar situation? Uh, Have you got some ideas you might like to share about your experience to help others? Mm -hmm. For me personally, in addition to the Pattison program, and you incorporate so much of this into your program, you know, I was burning the candle at both ends when my 
RA kicked in overnight and I was working too hard and not giving myself the time that I need to really take care of my body. I wasn't getting the rest that I needed. I would just say, you know, it's really a whole approach. You've got to look at your whole body and figure out what is causing stress in your life and how can you balance your life in every area. Um, How can you give yourself that time in the morning before you start a very busy day, taking kids to school or going to work and give yourself some time to meditate or pray Mm -hmm. or get in the Bible, whatever it is for you. Exercise is a huge component, which I know we haven't talked about yet, but exercise is huge. You know, trying to sweat a little bit every day and giving yourself that time. Um, It's worth it. And you, you have to figure out how to give yourself that time to really heal, I think, to the, your full potential. Yeah, and totally. I think in our culture, we just, we're running all the time and we're under just a lot of stress just due to the way we live in, in America or around the world. It doesn't matter where we are. Everybody mm. just runs, runs, runs. And we have to mm. just slow down a little bit and focus on us ourselves and how we can be our our best health and our best being and and I'll be a better mom because of it I'll be a better wife because of it I'll be a better worker for my employer and I'll be healthier and that's been a big takeaway for me in this last year it's been a journey to health but it's been a whole approach and just how can I take more deep breaths during the day and I do I take a lot of deep breaths during the day and I don't think I did that before I think I was always just running and Mm -hmm. could never catch my breath. And Mm -hmm. so now I'm very intentional, being very intentional. Fantastic. And do you meditate in the mornings or do you try to? I try to a couple times a day. You know, I will in the mornings. I'll try to do some stretching. Um, For me, I, I read the Bible and I, you know, try to just focus on something other than myself. Mm -hmm. And I will journal, I'll write some stuff in a journal. And that's very calming and relaxing to me. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, spend some time in prayer, but everybody has their own thing. And it looks a little different, but I think it's just really important to start your day in a calm way. And then the first thing I put in my body is something healthy, a nice green juice, which, you know, I know a lot of people say, how can you drink that? Well, at first it's an acquired taste, but then I love it now. You, you know, you, your body starts to crave what it needs. And before when I you know, was craving sugar, I craved you know, all the wrong things. And now I can't wait to have my green smoothie or my green juice. And so for those people who are hesitating, uh, just give it a try. Just give it a try. Give it everything you have. And you'll be amazed at the difference that it'll make in your health. And your health is worth fighting for every single day. And if you make a bad decision or a bad choice, it's okay. Your next meal is a new decision and a new choice and you just get right back on. Yes. So true. I like thinking these days about our foods and, you know, you mentioned the green smoothies. I like thinking of foods as to whether or not we're serving our energy needs and our taste buds or whether or not we're actually serving our gut bacteria. Mm -hmm. And so I see that the gut bacteria are like a par five on a golf course, right? <laughs> you don't need to have played golf to understand this metaphor. So simple sugars are like a par three. You take one hit and then there's the hole and then the, the, that, that whole process is complete because it only goes a little bit down your small intestine. And then a little bit further on, you have a par four. But what you're really trying to do for optimal health is play a round of golf where you're only doing par fives. 
everything has to go a long way down right through the intestine so that it reaches where all the bacteria are so that they can get some food as well. Um, That's resistant starch and fiber. So when you're drinking a green smoothie in the morning, you've got the simple sugars there. So you're getting that instant gratification of that sweet taste. That's your par three. Okay. Um, And then you've got some probably undigested or unsmashed up mixtures of cellulose and fruit sugars that go about halfway through. And that's your par four. And then you're getting, uh, so you're getting some sustained kind of energy. And then you've got all of the bulk of that fiber, which is going all the way to the end and creating a smorgasbord for your healthy gut bacteria. (laughs) And so, you know, when our taste buds through the gut-brain axis are being influenced by our gut bacteria, and every morning you're feeding them a smorgasbord of fiber that they absolutely love, then no wonder you want it every day because you just feel so good having it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, thinking of foods in terms of how much of this is going to end up deep within my digestive system to get to my gut bacteria, I think is a is a nice, fun way that I've been thinking of things recently. And I wanted to share that as you talked about your green smoothie. That's great. Mm. I like that analogy. My yeah. husband's been in the golf business, so I can totally understand that your <laughs> analogy. Right. It's big here in Florida, isn't it? Yes, Particularly where we are is. here in Jupiter. I mean, there's yes. the, it's, it's golf crazy certain times of the year, I believe. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Mm. So, how much would you say that uh, your faith has influenced uh, your outcome here? I know that you said he's led you to to adopting our, our program and also uh, yeah. uh, we think there was a little touch there when maybe the liver enzymes. I know we have a lot of people uh, who, who are uh, believers in God and certainly I am myself. So what are your thoughts on that? To me, it changed everything. Um, you know, God just created, uh, in my opinion, us for a purpose, and he doesn't want us to live a life of pain and suffering. And he doesn't want us to be stuck at home because we're just in so much pain that we can't live life. And, you know, we look at our bodies and how God created them. And it's amazing what our bodies can do. And, you know, you cut yourself and it heals, you break a bone and it heals. Why would our gut be any different than that? And so after my three day pity party, God just said, girl, like, come on, don't you know me better than that? That I created you to heal and I have this whole plan for you. And so, you know, get your britches on and let's go to work. And he just really created a real desire of knowledge in me. And Mm. that's when I did all my research and just, I couldn't get enough. I still can't get enough. I'm just constantly reading and um, just watching podcasts. And I love hearing about people's successes. And it's just amazing to me. And even in um, curing cancer, you know, it goes well beyond autoimmune. Cancer is kind of an autoimmune. Mm -hmm. And so my faith had everything to do with it. And just having the hope and just the the truth that God has something much better in store than living with this disease in a really mm-hmm. bad state. Yeah, absolutely. Something that I always, I agree with everything you've said, something that I have adopted in my life for a very long time, and this has only come about through experience, but as I get older and I'll be 42 next month, I find that when things don't work out for me, in a way that I've desired and I've pictured, I said, that's what I want. And whether it be a trivial thing, like, uh, I don't know, like in the past that I wanted to get onto a certain TV show as a performer or something, and it didn't happen or whatever it might be. And I think, why, why? Because I deserve that or words like that, you know? And then after enough days of 
the pity party, as you put it, I realize and I take great comfort in realizing that there's something even better beyond that that I'm not aware of. And it's not that that is actually where I'm meant to be going, Mm -hmm. but it's something even better. And when I've adopted that mindset, I get a tingle and I get excited and I believe it because that's the most important thing and I believe it. And I believe that God has uh, put a tremendous path forward for me. And if I'm not meant to get on the TV show, my career back home in Australia isn't meant to be as high as what I had hoped as a stand-up comedian. Maybe I'm meant to be doing this. Do you know what I mean? I can't, I probably will get a little teary eyed talking to you about this, but I just was so excited to talk to you face to face today because, um, I had a feeling you were also a believer, but I just know you are changing people's lives in such a positive way. And even though this might not be your first career choice, oh man, what a difference you are making in the lives of so many people. You have truly changed the path of my life. And, you know, there's a lot of people who have struggled with this disease for 10, 20, 30 years. And I'm fortunate that I found you as early as I did. But to anyone out there who's been struggling with this for a lifetime, it's still not too late. You still have hope, you know, Uh, just give it a try and see the improvement that your body will make. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I always think it's funny when the doctors say that it's just your body attacking itself. You know, and they kind of end it there. Well, that's not the end of the story. Let's get to the root of the problem and take your health in your own hands. And even if your doctor isn't saying that there's another path, you know and believe, like you said, you have to believe it. And I did exactly what you said in your Patterson program. And I put the sticky notes all over my mirror and everywhere that I was in the car and pain-free, drug-free, you know, anything that motivated me, I had it blasted all over because we need those reminders because life isn't easy. Life is really hard, but it's a lot easier for me knowing that I have a God who loves me no matter what and will always be there. But number two, to know that if we follow this plan and we believe it, we are going to see some improvement. Mm-hmm. And that's been true for me. And so just thank you so much. No, you're very welcome. I think that the word the word hope, you know, is is such a word that that comes up so often and when I give presentations, I always incorporate a section about hope towards the end and you can see the audience move. You know, there's a, there's an emotional connection with that word. And um, I say that hope is just like love, right? Because you can go without love for many years sometimes. And then someone just looks at you in a certain way or, you know, you just, you feel just something happens and in an instant, a feeling of love can return. Yeah. And in the same way is, is with hope. Because you can be without hope for a long period of time, but then you hear one thing or you learn one thing and hope can can come back in an instant. And I define hope as simply being the game plan from moving from A to B. And a lack of hope is simply not knowing what the game plan is to get from A to B. Mm-hmm. And once someone knows that they are onto the game plan the whole game changes. Hope comes back in an instant. And once we have that game plan and we see what's possible and it makes sense, Mm -hmm. boom, there's hope and it's, and it's with you, you know, and it's exciting. Yeah. Hmm. So cool, cool, cool. All right. Well, we've, uh, we've had a great chat. Is there anything else before we wrap up that you would like to 
to share any uh, final thoughts. I'd like to maybe, if, if I may, find out what's next for you. What do you got planned? Uh, have you got some trips coming up? Uh, how are you going to enjoy your precious health? Well, I, you know, I enjoy my health in a lot of ways. I love playing tennis or, or a game called pickleball. If you're in Florida, it's more of a retiree game, but I love it. It's kind of a cross between ping pong and tennis. Um, no, but I also I've never like, seen it. No. Oh, it's a blast. Um, I also enjoy getting out on the water, kayaking or paddle boarding. And so I'll be doing that, but not in the next week. And you need to start getting prepared for Hurricane Irma as well as I do, because it looks like Hurricane Irma is headed Florida's way. So that's what I'm doing this week. <laughs> oh, right, right. Yeah. Just as we're recording this, we're a couple of days out from we're being told that Irma's coming this way. So hopefully, uh, <laughs> hopefully it's not a disaster by the time we release this podcast. It will have passed by the time we um, we have this release. But uh, well, I'm, you've starting to frighten me a little bit. We better stock Sorry. up on a few more supplies. <laughs> but um, you know, it'll be interesting to experience a hurricane here. We haven't so far only been here a few months so far. So Melissa did buy a few things at the store, as I mentioned just before we started recording. Yeah. And as an Australian. We um we grew up with like the world's deadliest snakes, dangerous <laughs> spiders. You know, you can get killed any day of the week just stepping outside. So we, yeah. uh, especially where I'm from, I'm from originally out in the what you would call the outback. So I'm wow. about six hour drive inland over the Blue Mountains from Sydney, out past a place called Dubbo, and a uh, little farm out there where my parents are, are still on the farm, and um, the deadliest snakes, literally in the world uh, uh, have uh, in the area and snakes wow. and everything. So, you know, we, you just grow up with this attitude of what we say, she'll be right. She'll be right. Yeah. It'll work out, you know? And so I like that. Uh, she'll be right. I don't know. I don't know what's <laughs> going to happen, but I expect to be alive the next day. Yes. I like that a lot. <laughs> so, all right. Well, thanks so much. I really appreciate uh, having this, having this lovely conversation with you and I look forward to staying in touch with you and, getting updates uh, when you feel like sharing them about, uh, you know, how, how good you're doing. And thanks for sharing your time with us. You're welcome. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Patterson Program. For more information, visit pattersonprogram.com.